tremendous waste of candy. Mm-hmm. Like, what, are, what are we doing here with the gingerbread houses? I have, they're the new fruitcake. But what if Michael W. Smith released a song called I Kissed a Guy and I liked it and it was about Jesus? What would that, what would that sound like? Because that's pretty much every CC song. <laughs> So I guess what I'm saying is I really hope a future CCM artist sluts it up. Even though you and I were married as children, we were child child brides. Yeah, I had to. I didn't know when Jesus was coming back. No, yeah, you got to get it in. Hey, I see what you did there. <laughs> yeah, so much, so much is... I, there needs to be more dissection of that, of <laughs> how rapture theology has basically forced children to do <laughs> things <laughs> that they probably weren't prepared to do. I think that's part of a larger conversation of there's there's several areas of, of theology that are just like maddeningly unclear and I think end times is one of those, like, you know, how, how is that not more clear? Like, why do we not have a better understanding of like the sequence of events of the end times? Because there's a, you know, a hundred different schools of thought on it. I just find mm-hmm. it fascinating. Yeah, no, it, it is fascinating. And like, if you study the rise of that, like, like dispensational premillennial left behind theology, it's only really been like the last little over a hundred years and it kind of came out of nowhere and it's it's a weird weird story how it rose to prominence and there's part of it's like a a 12 year old girl's dreams being interpreted or something but it's just i would say 90% of american evangelical churches that's what they teach and believe and and i mean it is an ongoing discussion and i'm not saying there's there's no biblical basis for any of it but how is yeah how is this this kind of tangential thing become the litmus test for evangelicalism. But if you, you know, if you go into revelation and try to make like a bullet point list of what, you know, what the, what exactly what the end times is going to look like, it's not, it's not terribly clear. So I think there's a lot of space there for people to come up with different ideas, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree. Um, but I know a guy that can, draw on a napkin for you if you want to sit down for breakfast with him <laughs> every every step of what's going to happen and who the antichrist is and yeah. shout out to jake <laughs> that's not jake <laughs> i would be curious to have a discussion with jake about jake Goff, where are you buddy yeah get back on the show yeah like i i have other um like areas of theological interests like that too where it's like if you look at how much time like the church spends on arguing over how someone becomes a christian Mm -hmm. that's fascinating to me of like you know this camp says well you have to ask jesus into your heart another camp says that's not biblical another camp says well you have to be baptized first and then you know repent confess Mm -hmm. the abcs all that stuff and it's like i'm just curious of why is that not more clear um, it, it couldn't be more clear of, you know, 
if if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Yeah, don't bring and that's, Romans into this. That's man. really the formula if we're getting down to the <laughs> brass tacks, if you will. No, no. I want to keep arguing about it. I don't care what Romans But, I yeah. I want to keep arguing. There are a lot of camps, and and we would, I think, all agree that there are believers, that there are people that are saved and going to heaven in all of those camps. Yeah, absolutely. And they've they've all <laughs> done it different ways, gone about it different ways. Mm-hmm. So I think, yeah, I mean, yeah, in general, having a diverse, a plurality of denominations is a good thing, different expressions of the faith. But, you know, it, it gets it gets weird and messy sometimes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it seems like there's, there's certain issues that there's like a, a tension almost built into scripture of, uh, I don't know, like the, the role of works, something, mm-hmm. that, you know, we're in 2017, we're still fighting over, you know, how do works and faith and sanctification all work together? Yeah. I had that, that conversation. <laughs> oh, John Piper. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, but it, it's, it's true. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. fascinating because you you know you go to different different points in the New Testament where we say by grace through faith alone, not by works, so that no man can boast. Mm-hmm. And you skip over to James, faith without works is dead. So it's like right. Yeah, we we can we can have that discussion for sure. <laughs> but can you just can you just solve that issue for us? Just solve it for us. James is it should not like Luther said be thrown out of the Bible. <laughs> But uh, he's definitely describing what the life in Christ looks like, that there is change. Now, what it gets down to is how do we how do we dissect what how much change and what change and what's enough and how saved am I? Um, And I think we have to hold on to the security of our salvation uh, and be confident in that. But at the same time, um, you know, so. The, the guy who grew up in an abusive home and wasn't a gang and went to prison and is addicted to meth and then he becomes a believer, what his sanctification, quote unquote, and works are going to look like are going to be much different than um, the girl down the street who you know was raised in the Leave it to Beaver home and her life looks perfect, whatever, um, who may not even have Christ in their life, but there are some people that are just naturally wired to kind of be rule followers and they're always going to drive the speed limit and that kind of thing. Those people that we all hate. Uh, And so what is, so we can look at her life and say, you know, okay, well, you know, clearly Christ is working in her and their sanctification there and her works are evidence of that. But the, the baby steps that the drug addicted felon is taking are going to be, you know, are, are actually the works, the fruit of the spirit. So it's, it just gets hard when you start fruit inspecting and saying, well, this person clearly has this. So that's, I would say there are guidelines there, but a lot of those should be personal and shouldn't necessarily be the role of all of us to look around and judge and say, this person's on track and this person isn't. I think I'd, I'd like to continue to do that if that's okay. Yeah. You just want to look around and judge. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> When I was in college, my favorite thing to like, I would go through parking lots and just scream like, screw you for judging me. Um, and it made my, my roommates really crack up, but they're like, they're not judging you. Everybody's judging me. You're judging me right now. (laughs) It's a fun, fun game to play. All right. Speaking of fun games to play, (laughs) 
Um, I need to do a uh, a retraction and apology Ooh. from the last episode. Uh, last episode, I was taking some comments from readers, and uh, I I need to do a shout out to the Musical Imperatives podcast, mm. which when I read it on uh, when I when I looked at it, I somehow bungled it and called it the Musical E podcast, which makes no sense. Mm-hmm. But uh, in in that moment, it, I read it as musical E. It's not musical E. It's musical imperative. That's confusing. It's tricky. The, <laughs> the brainchild of of Matt and Zach. So I'd like to shout out to Matt and Zach. Check out the shout musical imperatives. I've not listened to that yet. It's on my list of things to listen to. We were talking about this before we went on before we started recording. It, mm-hmm. It's really hard to keep up with all the podcasts you want to get to. There's so many out there and so many good ones. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, what's, I'm, what's the thrust of that one? Do you know of the musical uh, imperatives? Check it out. Let's give it a plug here. Yeah. Conversations with friends about beer and music. Oh, okay. I mean, what else do you need right there? What else? That's, that's all of it. And while we're on the topic of podcasts, I need to plug another podcast. Let's plug the last word podcast. I actually have checked this one out and I, and I approve uh, until you find something offensive in it, uh, and I, then I really approve of it. <laughs> this the last is, word. This one is. Do they just constantly try to get the last word over each other? Is that? <laughs> well, it's from uh, it's from across the pond. So anything anything oh. only Irish, I have to I have to endorse. Uh, okay. As a veteran yeah. of many St. Patrick's Day parades, but this one is from Matt and James. Matt James. Last word podcast at TLW underscore podcast. Check that one out. Hey, Rich, you know what else we should check out? What else should we check out? Check out Fun Sexy Bible Time Apparel. Ooh, Fun Sexy Bible Time Apparel. For all your Christmas stocking stuffer needs, Fun Sexy Bible Time Apparel. You know, just it's, it's a great way. It's a great thing to wear to the family gatherings. Mm-hmm. It's definitely a conversation starter. It is a conversation starter because nowhere on the shirts do they say that it's a podcast. Yes. It just says fun, sexy Bible time, exclamation yeah. point. <laughs> exclamation point. And that's key. It that's is key. that's all of the branding. That's the marketing is was, the exclamation point. I was kind of dragging my feet on the uh, on doing T-shirts for the podcast, but uh, I have a lot of people continually asking me for them. So No, don't drag your feet. Yeah, that's gonna, It's only going to help you. Into that. So you can find those on tpublic.com. Ah, enough, enough commercials, Rich. Well, I was just on the topic of T-shirts. I was going to say my favorite thing to do um, in my my years in youth ministry. I, you know, really, we can have a whole discussion about youth group T-shirts and how cheesy and terrible they are. So I loved making youth group T-shirts with kind of like yours, with little to no explanation of anything that has to do with church or the Bible. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a T-shirt, and it has like some kind of random expression or saying, and everybody in the youth group has one, and everybody at school seeing all these kids wearing those T-shirts, and they're like, "What is going on?" And then it's a conversation starter. Yeah, that's that's my approach to marketing. It's good. Make people ask questions. You know what I love? I love like um, youth group names. Like mm-hmm. from like the late nineties, two thousands. I love like that period where everybody was trying to have like a like a cool, edgy name for their youth group. Mm-hmm. A lot of X's put into <laughs> words that they don't belong in and uh Z's and uh, like uh, rock solid. Yeah. That kind rock of solid. Thing. Explosion, the best, fire. The best one I've heard is brainwashed. 
Oh, <laughs> really? Not beating around the bush with that one. <laughs> yeah, because it's it's like, you know, Jesus is washing our brains, but also it kind of sounds like a cult. Yeah, it, it definitely does. Um, <laughs> yeah, and then, you know, there's there's cults then. So, like, the, the Brainvidians, I mean, that that's very ambiguous. Um, and you don't know what they're all about. But then brainwashed here, like, I, I pretty much get the picture there. We should, truth, truth and advertising. That's what we should be going for. Um, all right, so I've got, I, I got a rant about... Um... But the holidays. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's that time of year. I'll, I'll let you go first if there's anything you want to bring up for the holidays, because we talked a little bit about about this of um, holiday traditions and what needs to go, what needs to stay. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Um, well, I was just first. I was going to say, is this the first podcast since Thanksgiving? Have you had one? Uh, yeah, this is the first. This is the first one. So how, how was your Thanksgiving? Just out of curiosity. Did you have a good one? It was great. Yeah. Yeah. Do you ever have any family drama? Um, yeah, but you know, we're from the South. So like right. we, we button everything up and put on a veneer of, uh, everything is fine for holidays. It, it's a, yeah. it's a tradition. Right. It's tradition. <laughs> That's a good one. That's one we should keep. Uh, so I, I learned a new, over my Thanksgiving, I learned a new uh, technique to get out of conversations. Okay. And so I was, I was talking to an in-law, not a, not an immediate family, but um, distantly related. And we were, we were having discussion, you know, and it was, it was peaceable, but um, they were trying to convince me that, that slavery was actually a really good thing, um, both for the country and for the people involved. And I was adamantly opposed to that viewpoint. <laughs> and so it was a fun discussion. And then they, but they ended the discussion by saying, um, would you preach at my funeral? And, well. and I wasn't, it wasn't a gospel conversation and it wasn't my best foot forward for sure. <laughs> and I was, and that just stopped the conversation. So now that's my go-to anytime I'm in a conversation I don't want to be in. I just, you know, would, Hey, would you mind speaking at my funeral? And then where do you go from there? How do you come back? I don't I don't know. You know who I want speaking at my funeral? I want Jake Goff speaking at my funeral. I hope he can speak at everyone's funeral. I think he should he should start marketing that. Uh, <laughs> just a just a, a cassette tape of him doing a funeral talk that is very generic and then we can all just push play. Who would be the who would be like the worst um, celebrity Christian to preach at your your funeral? For celebrity Christian. Oh man. Uh, <laughs> so it's my, my first thought was um, like salty, the songbook, but that's not, um, it's not actually a person. Uh, <laughs> maybe the Bible man. Children. Oh. Gather round the casket. <laughs> Rich Cook is dead. Yay! That's horrifying. But he will be alive in Christ. <laughs> okay, you you go on that one. That's a good question. Who who's your worst? I, I, that impression was spot on. By the way, got to got to give really kudos to. Think that. about this until uh, I didn't think about this until you said that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Like Piper would be fun because it'd be. Just him, 
it would always come back to, you know, what do we deserve? We deserve nothing. Like you just yeah. keep coming back to that of, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Matthew is dead. We all deserve to die. <laughs> I don't this have a good pipe. Just punishment for your, yeah, I don't know how to do his voice. It's, it's Texan. It's, it's Southern sounding. <laughs> There's a lady in my church who is from, I think the same region of Texas and it sound I mean, she sounds like John Piper when she talks, and it's crazy. Um, they have the exact same inflections. Uh, I'm not even sure he's from Texas. That's just where she's from, so I'm assuming. But, uh, yeah, on that note, I, David Platt, have you ever heard him speak? I, I have not. He lives, like, fairly close to me, but I've not heard him speak. He's so intense about everything. Like, everything is life and death, and... Uh-huh. And the most important, I mean, and maybe that's good at a funeral, but he just over, over intensity. And his, if you, if you see him speak in person or on video or whatever, he's got um, these eyebrows that, that won't quit. They just are all over the place. And so he's like saying these very intense things, but then his face, it, it's hard to keep a straight face. So <laughs> what about Benny Hinn? Can I get Benny Hinn to preach at my funeral? Oh yeah, that would be a good one. And who knows what he would talk about. Reach your hands forward for a funeral miracle. <laughs> Pass the offering plates, uh, Mister Mister Hen. We don't collect offerings at funerals. I will raise him from the dead if you if you give, give enough money. from the heart. Yeah, and so then you could he could totally he should get in the funeral game for sure because then if you do, you don't have enough faith. You, like I would raise this guy from the dead. I want to raise this guy from the dead. God wants to raise this guy from the dead, but you guys cannot get your act together. If you just believed more and gave more. Yeah. That, that is the racket to get into. I'm telling you. Uh, <laughs> Billy Graham would be the best. Could we, could we, could we wheel Billy Graham out to give? Absolutely. To give yeah. He, he would be the best funeral speaker. He'd be the best. And, and he, um, I think, I mean, not to be insensitive at all, but I, I think he, he has a pretty good view of, of, of what death might look like. What's what's Billy Graham? Billy Graham's like a, uh, kind of like a genteel kind of Southern accent. It's like a, like an, like an old timey, like, don't weep, don't weep for rich cook. Yeah. But now he will live forever. I love it. Yeah, just like sweet old grandpas. That's that's what we need more of. I would only I would exclusively listen to sweet old grandpas with southern accents. It's a little uh, it's a little like Fred Rogers kind of thing. Yeah. Almost, of like, mm-hmm. It's okay to be sad, but soon we will be happy forever. <laughs> that the wording of that was not too much different from the salty the songbook. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> But it sounded better. It's just—it's kind of like the same. They, they have like the same approach of like let's take something biblical and like break it down and by break it down for children because that's what Billy mm-hmm. Graham does. Is he like he makes it so simple that anybody can understand it? That's one of the reasons I I, I love his sermon so much. Yeah, no, he's he is the master of that. He doesn't. He gives you just enough theology to understand it, and mm-hmm. doesn't doesn't get lost in the details. I agree. And then just on voices. Yeah. So 
the the sweet old southern grandpa and then like a, a british person like you've already brought up anybody from over the pond like a an irish or a british person would be a, a good person to do a funeral because they it just sounds smart authoritative and you know world wise and all those things i could go for that bono or somebody doing your funeral <laughs> as long as he uh, as long as he kind of sang his way through it yeah <laughs> okay so speaking of speaking of bono hey screw gingerbread houses yeah i've I've had it with them this is my holiday hot take tremendous waste of candy Mm -hmm. what what are we doing here with the gingerbread houses i they're the new fruitcake i I would agree with that um they've really made a resurgence recently my kid is like always begging to make gingerbread houses but then she won't even eat the gingerbread she hates it she just wants to make them. Ah. And, and yeah, so like gingerbread is terrible and yeah, you put all your candy on it, but then you just basically pick the candy back off of it and that's the only use. And then you throw the thing in the garbage a month later. Okay, interesting. So, so you, you, you salvage the candy then like you pick it off and eat it. Yeah. Okay. How, how are you going about it? You're just throwing the whole thing in the garbage. <laughs> yeah. Like that. Well, I mean, I don't have them in my house, but like when we were kids, I don't have those in my house. <laughs> <laughs> when we were kids, like you, that, that was taboo. Like you couldn't pick the candy off because it was "quote unquote" old. Now, oh, I see. I guess it was contaminated by air germs or, or whatnot. Well, it depends what it is. Yeah, like I'm I'm now picturing a lot of like unwrapped, um, like those star mints or whatever. Yeah, like the little discs. Yeah, and I wouldn't eat those. Um, a lot of gumdrops. A lot of yeah. I'll go for the gumdrop. And again, it's time is the essence there. Um, you you don't want to eat a month old gumdrop that's been out of the package because that's like eating a, a pebble. Uh-huh. Um, but you know some M and M's. I think they they're good. You know they have the candy hard candy shell. Mm-hmm. So. There's some things. <laughs> it was always like it is a traumatic thing for me as a, as a kid with the gingerbread houses because as a kid, like n- there's nothing better than candy. Mm-hmm. Like there's nothing better than candy. Like that is the ultimate. No, yeah, exactly. And so it's like you know we get all these huge bags of candy. It's like uh, Halloween all over again, and it's like oh no, we can't eat this candy. This candy is for building a house. Mm-hmm. This is construction candy. And it's like, okay, well, then we get to eat the house, right? No, we don't get to eat the house. We just set the house up to look to pretty. Look at. Yeah. And it's like, what, what is this? Like, what, what insanity has gripped us that we can't eat this candy? Like, are you kidding me? Is this punishment? It's, it is a form of torture, yeah. That's <laughs> Okay, so now I see the direction you're going. Because, again, my traditions are different than your traditions. Okay. And ours is usually we, we build the house. And then it, it becomes like it's the centerpiece of the table. and then it, But then it's fair game, like uh, for the day of. Okay. And it kind of sits around longer and can be decorative until someone, i.e. me, eats all of the good candy off of it that's not unwrapped hard candy. <laughs> So were you allowed to eat it or was it just something you did? Like, was it acceptable Uh, to eat it? That's a good question. Well, so, and again, speaking of of family things in my own personal family, um, it's very similar to what you were talking about earlier of, of your, your family tradition of, of just bottling everything up and not talking about anything (laughs) and 
So that's like my my stoic German uh, upbringing was was very much that way. And so probably there was a lot of things that that I did that aggravated a lot of people that we just never, never talked about. Uh, so maybe maybe I'm totally in the wrong. I'm, I'm having these good memories of, oh, yeah, gingerbread houses. I just snacked on them until they were terrible. Um, but it's like putting a bowl of like fresh fruit out. My wife does that a lot. Like, well, she'll buy fruit and like refuses to put it in the fridge. It needs to like sit on the table. Uh-huh. And so, and then if you don't eat it fast enough, then it just goes bad. And then so we we have a bowl of rotten fruit on our table. And what what's the point of that? Mm. Yet another reason to not buy bananas. Yeah. I, I stand alone in my hatred of bananas. Oh, <laughs> I like it over other fruits like. And I'm, you have to basically force or trick me into eating most fruits and vegetables. Um, but of the options, a banana is maybe the most accessible and, and the least terrible tasting. Hmm. What, what's your problem with bananas? See, I know people listening to this are thinking, okay, it's some kind of like weird Freudian thing. He's got a banana. Oh, yeah. It's not that. I don't think I've told this story on the podcast before, but um, homeschooling caused me to hate bananas. Mm. Uh, because when we were out one one day in this uh, in this it wasn't in the summer but it was really hot outside and uh, we were in the car and my mom had to get out to go somewhere to go inside and it mm-hmm. was during the day and like this was homeschooling back in the nineties and you didn't go outside during the day because if somebody saw you you know Bill Clinton would come with the school board and take you away because <coughs> you didn't go to school right so I was eating a banana in the car. <laughs> And I got sick and I had to throw it up in the oh. and the only thing I had was like a plastic bag. Uh-huh. So I threw it up into the plastic bag, but then I couldn't go out to like put it in the garbage can. So I just had to sit there like with this bag of banana puke, like in the car and it's hot outside. And my mom was gone for what seemed like forever. Uh-huh. So I'm just sitting there like in this pukey banana car trap. Well, that... I mean, Matthew, that is a traumatic story, and I understand everyone should be able to sympathize with your lack of bananas. From that day on, like just like the thought of eating a banana just grosses me out. Like I'm never going to eat one again. Yeah, um, no, I, I get that. That's uh, I fruity pebbles are that for me. Um, so, I mean, I, I, my parents would never leave me in a locked hot car like you. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I definitely had a, a vomiting the rainbow for okay, 24 I don't think hours. It was, I don't think it was like they were leaving. <laughs> now you have to justify your now parents. I have to justify. I think it, it was, was the 80s, whatever. <laughs> oh, that, that part was true. I think it was one of our Chrysler caravans we had, and it had like a water pump issue. And like it couldn't idle or it would get overheated. So like, mm-hmm. you could drive it and be fine because the fan would cool everything off. But like if it idled for more than a couple of minutes, like it would overheat mm-hmm. some kind of radiator water pump issue. I don't remember what, but maybe that was why maybe they didn't have the air conditioner on because we couldn't idle the car. So I don't know. I feel like I'm learning. A, this is a, a whole new dimension to the homeschool dynamic. Um, you know, 30 years later, <laughs> the specific car issue that your your family vehicle was going through at the time oh, yeah yeah I, I couldn't tell you a single that that was another thing we just kind of didn't talk about like yeah the car's not working right now okay it's it's fixed but there was no discussion of 
what the actual problem was. <laughs> uh, I'm about that homeschool life, buddy. Yeah, I, uh, you got it. Homeschool my own kids, and and I have uh, inherited like the like the caravan trait as well. Mm-hmm. So we 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 have a van, that, and and we're poor, so I have to fix the van myself. So I got it. I am I am all about that homeschool life. Get it. <laughs> but it's okay for our kids to go outside now because homeschooling is is a uh, Bill, Cl- Bill Clinton's not roaming the streets with Janet Reno in tow to pick up pick up stray homeschoolers like he was in the nineties. <laughs> Let's hope not. No, that it's a whole different agenda now. <laughs> Bill Clinton and Janet Reno were roaming the street. <laughs> that was a different time. <clears throat> This is a, a a Christmas tradition. I'm I'm trying to get started with with very limited results, but hey, like let's not give like a hundred presents to each other on Christmas. Yeah, let's give one or two really good presents. Amen. Yeah, we're we're going a similar route. Um, presents have gotten out of control, and uh, you know it's not it's all it's all junk and all stuff nobody really wants or needs. So we're, we're, my wife's idea is that we go for experiences rather than stuff. Mm-hmm. And so we're trying to find like, you know, instead of, instead of giving, getting a hundred toys for our kid, like we're gonna, we're gonna go on this trip or take her to this place or, yeah. and yeah, I think that's a possible solution, but we'll see. Yeah. I like the idea of, you know, instead of buying a bunch of cheap gifts, when I when I just have you know one or two really nice things, but that that idea sounds good in the beginning, but then as Christmas gets closer and closer, uh, Kendra just likes to have a lot of things under the tree. So yeah, no, I I get that. Um, so yeah, it's in in theory, absolutely get one or two nice things, do a do an experience instead of a gift. But then when you know it's Christmas morning and you've got a gift under the tree. <laughs> it's like we're terrible parents and we're the worst family. And then you overcorrect the next year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Speaking of, of things in your stocking, um, mm-hmm. what do you think would happen if, if, if Amy Grant was coming up in 2017 in CCM? So yeah. And the way we had talked about this was maybe if she was, um, yeah, like as a a sex icon or whatever. Which I don't know. Is that true of Amy Grant in the eighties? Because I, I don't was. know that I was old enough. It okay, kinda, it kind of was. Like I, I was I was not quite old enough either. Like I was just a kid, but I do remember there being like a kind of an aura around her of like, oh, it's Amy Grant. I know she was a little edgier. Yeah, but okay, so like she, she was hot. She was like 20 she was hot. And yeah, hot, and then she kind of crossed over into doing like romantic songs when that wasn't totally acceptable back then. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Then had a couple music videos like where, you know, it's not like she was half naked or anything, but they were a, a tad sensual, I guess for the, for, you know, for what it was that yeah. period of, of Christianity. And then we had Jackie Velasquez. So <laughs> really up the game. Yeah, Jackie Velasquez. What do you What do you remember from her? Uh, well, that was that was more my my time frame of things, and possibly yours too. But just she was, you know, as as a as a preteen or whatever. Uh, that it was like, all right, the 
a, a Christian, attractive young woman singing these beautiful songs into my Walkman. Because <laughs> we joke a lot on the podcast about, especially like if, if there's a female co-hosting about Michael W. Smith and like, oh, he's such mm-hmm. a heartthrob. And, um, you know, I tease my wife a lot about that because she had a, a crush on him when, when she was younger. Mm-hmm. But it is kind of remarkable too that like you know we, we've never really had and CCM has been so sanitized that we've never really had like a like a big scandal Racy. or something like that. Yeah, I guess everybody. Well, like, we've had some scandals, but <laughs> Gary Chapman, shout out. <laughs> yes, but yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, and so, but it's usually it goes. There's a lot of stories like Katy Perry is a is a pastor's yeah, kid, right? Yeah, um, you're, right. you're right. And there's like Britney Spears, or I don't know. There are a, few, a lot of those like '90s, whatever sex appeal people were had some church background mm-hmm. or connection to the church. But I don't know that any of them started in CCM. Well, I, I guess your point is probably correct that they just they just sort of drop out faster now. Like Katy Perry um, started out as a Christian singer. And uh, just dropped out very quickly, and then by the yeah, and before she was crossing crossing lines or whatever, <laughs> before she kissed a girl and liked it, <laughs> that would have been incredible if she had released that as a Christian artist, though. Yeah, <laughs> that was. I, I think pretty quickly they, she was never, you know, <laughs> never a Christian artist okay. singing songs like that. Christian artist Katy Perry releases the song "I Kissed a Girl" and I liked it. <laughs> How quickly does Lifeway pull her album? Like that day? Yeah, no, it, it's gone immediately. <laughs> it's off the shelves. And the warehouse is burned down uh, just to make sure. But what if Michael W. Smith released a song called I Kissed a Guy and I liked it and it was about Jesus? What would that, what would that sound like? Because that's pretty much every CCM song anyway. <laughs> Plot twist. It was Jesus. It was Jesus. At the very end, he says it was Jesus. Yeah. I don't know. Would he get his album pulled from Lifeway? Well, see, it depends It depends how, how good the twist was. I mean, I think Michael Baby Smith, I mean, he would have to actually kiss a man, probably, <laughs> to, to get pulled. It, like, there's, there's some things. <laughs> that sounds like a Derek Webb song. I don't know how much you know about Derek Webb, but that sounds like something he would put out. Yeah, that his uh, newest album... There, the, the the first single that came out of it, I was listening to it, and I, and everybody was talking about like this is his his you know departure from Orthodox Christianity. And I listened to the single, and I, you know the whole way through, I mean this and this is the whole point of the song. But I'm like, this is a beautiful hymn, like you know we, and I'm like thinking like how can we incorporate in this into Sunday morning, and you know just like everybody's way off about this guy, but then you get to the punchline of the song, and it's it's not Jesus that that's the whole the plot twist there. And I'm like, oh, okay, now I get it. Oh, color, and so hey, color me shocked. Derek Webb is is departing from conventional Christianity. What is it? Is well, year twenty of of that journey for him. It has been quite the journey, but for us, you know, that new Cademan's call, it, it is, it is a sad day, but, yeah. 
and Sandra, his his ex wife, is is still rocking it. And so she's one. She does not use sex appeal at all, but that there's a inherent beauty there. I think. Mm-hmm. I think Carmen probably tried to use sex appeal. Oh, he absolutely did. Yeah, I think going he was, for the. He was just such a unicorn as far as like one of a kind. I don't think it quite. I don't think well, was, I think the male side of CCM has always used sex appeal, whether they admit it or not. I mean that, and it just doesn't. It doesn't play the same way. It's like, you know, lady blessings. We can't. <laughs> yeah, I can remember girls in my youth group. Um, how can I say this? How do the kids say it these days? Being very thirsty. Yes, Is that thirsty. How the kids say it. I, I don't remember. know if they still do, but that was a that. <laughs> five years ago, that was a thing. <laughs> I can remember girls in my youth group talking about Stephen Curtis Chapman mm-hmm. in in ways that like if I had talked about uh, you know Twyla Paris or, or whoever mm-hmm. that, like it would have been creepy, right? Yeah. But, like f- something about like the, the male side of it, it was it was different, I guess. It is, yeah. There's definitely a double standard there. Um, I mean, yeah, it's hard because CCM I think is primarily. I mean, and maybe this has changed in recent years, but. At the time, it was about capturing teen culture and, you know, getting the MTV crowd back or whatever. And so in that age group, I mean, everything is about lust. I mean, everything, all your decision making is driven by your libido. What's so the closest a CCM artist has ever come to just being like overly sexual? <laughs> and like, I mean, I guess we could say like Carmen had a photo shoot where he was like laying on a bed. Mm-hmm. which was incredible. I, I, I love it. Yeah. I mean, he always had like one too many buttons unbuttoned and <laughs> um, was going for the suave. I mean, he had, he had, a, he knew what he was doing for sure. <laughs> I, like all his music videos, there was some, there's always some kind of like physical aspect to him of there'd be mm-hmm. like a, a clip of him lifting weights or something or, Mm-hmm. Um, just slipping that in there. Just yeah, this just, is just a little something for the ladies. <laughs> this is germane to the conversation of the lyrics of my song. <laughs> How can I get my shirt off before this music video? And he uh, he did the the champion movie where he's a boxer, so he was yep. uh, he was he was topless through that. That that was where I was going. Yeah, with yeah. the. I think we talked about. I don't think it was on this podcast, but I think we talked on front porch with the fences. There's a zero percent chance that that dude was not getting some help. <laughs> with steroids or <laughs> psychiatric help what are we talking about <laughs> that dude was unnaturally jacked up yeah for the champions. was pretty jacked and he was like oh he's like he's probably like early 50s when that came out too so well if you think about it i mean i've, I've heard actors say this too like anytime you if you know ahead of time i'm gonna have to have my shirt off on camera uh-huh. i mean like whatever your body maintenance program is, which like for me would be zero at the moment, it's going to ramp up 500%. Just <laughs> you got to get ready for that. I, I wonder what would happen if like a CCM artist came out and it was like, like if it was a male, he just, he just posed topless on the album cover, mm-hmm. like Marky Mark style with his, his boxers hanging out of his, his pants. I'm trying to think. I, that seems very familiar. Maybe I'm just thinking of, uh, but <laughs> who's 
I'm Justin Bieber. Maybe that's who I'm thinking of. Bieber. Uh, and so, yeah, obviously that's not a CCM album, but uh, DC Talk, I feel like cross some cross some lines with a little bit. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. A little, a little uh, Michael Tate wife beater action going on there. Right. Yeah, a lot of wife beaters. A lot of I don't know. I don't know what what does it for the ladies, but yeah. I think they were they were working on that. Yeah, or or like the female version, like if there was a female CCM singer that just came out and was just unabashedly, you know, low cut top, tight pants. Mm-hmm. The think pieces would be incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, they're it, it's it's true. Um, it wouldn't be a bad marketing strategy either. Like if you're a, like, and I'm probably going to hell for suggesting this, but <laughs> like if you're an up and coming female CCM singer and you couldn't mm-hmm. like differentiate yourself from the pack, mm-hmm. if Just you be put the- out like an album cover like that, where you're showing off a little cleavage, maybe the pants are kind of tight because then you'd get like a, like a, it's the think pieces would start bouncing in, in in the echo chamber and you'd have people saying, Oh, this is horrible. And then you'd have other people saying, Oh no, you're slut shaming. You know, you, you, you're penalizing yeah. for double standard and you get people fighting back and forth and it'd be a lot of, a lot of free publicity. Mm-hmm. It's true. I mean the, I, the purity culture and stuff in general, which is what we're talking about is I think going away a little bit. I mean, that's not to say that modesty is going away, mm-hmm. But um, I don't know. I don't know that it would be quite the scandal in 2017, 2018 as it would have been in 95. You could troll them into reacting. I mean, there there are certain people that until they die, (laughs) we're going to be able to troll. Um, (laughs) Pat Robertson is never not going to be upset and offended about everything. I'm not sure Pat Robertson knows where he is. (laughs) Bless, bless uh-huh. his heart. Well, yeah, that that would help maybe some of it if he didn't know where he was. <laughs> ah. But like, I, if, if if a female Christian singer came out with sex appeal, you know that like Gospel Coalition, Desiring God, like they would fall right in line to mm-hmm. to you know, oh, how how could we be doing this? This is not biblical. Blah 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 blah. Yeah, Desiring God in a heartbeat would. And then you'd have the people from the left coming in of like, oh, double standard. How can you try to shame her body? So I guess what I'm saying is I really hope a future CCM artist sluts it up just so that I can watch the fallout. If you're out there listening to this and you're a young up-and-coming CCM female artist, you know, not – not and this – yeah, to get a careful about the phrasing of this, like – to fight the establishment, maybe, maybe show some skin. Not for me. Doesn't not because I want it. Doesn't but. it have to be female? It could be male. Like either way. Like either yeah. way. I'm just really hoping that an up and coming CCM artist uh, sexes well, this, it up. If the rumors about Bieber, I mean, if if he ever does come out with like a gospel album, and I think that's probably somewhere in the works. I mean, you know, we we there there's no. There's no secrets there about. <laughs> I wanted I wanted Justin Bieber gospel album with him shirtless on the cover, mm-hmm. pants sagging, and and maybe like like kissing his like two fingers. Yeah, or, or like kissing a crucifix. <laughs> <laughs> like, and it's in the title of the album is I kissed a guy and I liked it. Boom, full circle. We did it. 